Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Thing on the Horns Up podcast. Just because. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna count us down since whenever we record, it like lags at the beginning. Cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And three, two, one. Welcome back to the Charity Stripe and the Horns Up podcast. A little double dip action here. Uh, Alex Disopoulos, Toss, and Nikki Snacks Kreider on the mic. No Josh Fisher. He is moving. Uh, finally. One- yeah, finally. Finally. People, he had- people don't know the struggles that he went through these past couple of months with his apartment. He was displaced because they're doing construction. I think they had a leak. Yeah. That was our home base for recording our best to believe show. And sometimes we would do some live charity stripe shows there as well. And he's pretty much been bumming it on his girlfriend's couch. And uh, I know I think he sleeps in her bed, but uh, he's been <laughs> bumming it over there for the past couple of months and they have finally found their own place together in Santa Monica. So congratulations yeah. to them. Uh, we're sad that we can't have him on this episode, but look no further. We're going to take care of business. We absolutely will. He will be back later this week. On Wednesday, we'll record with Quan Cosby for our Horns Up show, uh, previewing the Texas-Houston game, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, Houston had a crazy game on Saturday, and so yeah, did a lot of other universities. College football in full swing, week seven, um, just ended. We're recording Monday morning, uh, October 16th here, and things are starting to get really, really interesting. Nick, Washington beat Oregon 36-33 at home. So they remain undefeated. Um, Oregon now has a loss. USC lost a rivalry game against Notre Dame. They got walloped. Uh, Mm -hmm. Notre Dame put up 40-plus points on them. So now they are no longer undefeated. FSU remains undefeated. Uh, North Carolina had a gritty win against Miami. They remain undefeated. Of course, Oklahoma was on by uh, alongside the Texas Longhorns this past week. They, of course, are undefeated. Michigan took care of business. Georgia took care of business. Um, And so did Ohio State. So things are getting really, really interesting, and I just wanted to kind of take a look and see of the teams that are still fighting for a college football playoff berth, what the rest of their schedule looked like. And um, for Georgia, you know, they play Florida, they play Mizzou, Ole Miss, Tennessee, all three of those. um, Florida's not ranked, but Mizzou, Ole Miss, and Tennessee still are. Then they end the season with Georgia Tech. Relatively easy schedule, but... Still some games where, you know, Tennessee will be, they'll be plucky. So will Ole Miss. Ole Miss is ranked 13th in the country right now. Mm -hmm. Um, If they were able to upset Georgia, that would be a huge swing in just the scope of the SEC. Michigan really only has Penn State and Ohio State left. Um, And then, of course, the Big Ten Championship. If they get there, Ohio State has Penn State and Michigan. So those two teams are pretty much in the same boat. Um, Same thing with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan left on their schedule. Florida State has Duke who's ranked. They have Florida, which is a big rivalry game. And then they play Miami, who's no longer ranked, but still they were, they, you know, have a good team. So that, that could be an interesting one. OU, of course, OU and Texas really only have the big 12 championship. No ranked opponents left on their schedules. Like take care of business. Yeah. Both of these teams, Texas and and OU control their own destiny at this point. Yeah. If they win out, then they're probably going to college football playoff. Um, I love to see a bye week out of the horns and still moving up one in the rankings. We were nine last week and now we're eight because okay. some teams fell off a little bit, but yep. yeah, I mean, Texas has a, has a pretty easy schedule going forward. And then of course, if they run the table, then they go the, 
the conference championship game and he'd probably be seeing OU, you know, in, in, unless they lose twice, which I doubt they will. And then probably the winner of that game goes to the college football playoffs. So it'll be fun. I mean, obviously we, we came off on the, the wrong side of it in the red river, red river rivalry, but you know, I think we were all okay. And, you know, you kind of get to look in the mirror and see what your vulnerability is and, and the spots that you need to improve on. But yeah, I mean, it, I think it always shakes up around this time, you know, week, week seven, week eight of college football, where, you know, you kind of start to see which teams are pretenders and which ones are actually contenders, you know, yep. which, which conferences are actually starting to kind of unfold a little bit. And, you know, the PAC 12, I think heading into this week, we had how many undefeated teams? There was like four or five undefeated teams or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's starting to dwindle down a little bit and we're getting to see who the actual, you know, contenders of this uh, conference are. And now the only undefeated team here is uh, Washington. Um, right. You know, I think they'll probably end up. I wouldn't say I'm mean, not going to like put them in right away on, on the cultural playoff because they still got some tough matchups. But let's say if they lose one more game, you know, they've got USC, they've got Utah, they've got Oregon State, all ranked teams. Um, I could definitely see them if they're a conference champion in the college football playoff. And, you know, we were talking before the show, they've got the Heisman front runner and Michael Penix Jr. Um, you know, I, I was talking to you and saying how he gained a lot of ground on Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams, I think, has like the fifth best odds right now to win the Heisman. And, and I think Penix is minus money. So, you know, I think yeah. and, and they're a team that was has been good, you know, and has made it to the college football playoff before they beat us last year in the bowl game. And you know, this is kind of his senior redshirt season to kind of just come out with a bang and prove to people that he's worth to be a first round draft pick. I mean, I don't think people really considered him that heading into this season, but he's definitely gained a lot of momentum in Penix Jr. So I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, it's just really starting to get really juicy here in college football. I want to talk to you a little bit about this SEC survivor pool that I'm in. Um, for those of you who don't know, most of you probably don't know because I haven't talked about that much, but I'm in an SEC survivor pool. Basically, you got to pick one SEC team to win each week, and then once you pick them, you can't use them again. Um, there's 14 weeks. There's 14 teams in the SEC, so you're going to have to use every single team. The stipulations are you cannot pick a, a team when they're playing against an FCS team, basically. So it has to be an eligible, mm. eligible game where they're playing against an FBS school. So... Vanderbilt has not won an eligible game yet because their first week was against Ohio and I was week zero. So the, the pick pool didn't even start yet. And then their other win uh, was against some F FCS team. And so basically you have to pick them at some point to right. run the table. So I'm kind of struggling here. I've made it thus far. I think the, the pool started with like over 1500 entries or something like that. It's down to 126 entries, I believe. Um, yeah, 126 entries are left. And so far I've used Kentucky week one, Mizzou week two, AM week three, Florida week four, Tennessee week five, Mississippi State week six, and then Bama I used this week. Uh, they squeaked that one out. kind of gave me a little heart attack. Um, but this week, um, I'm either going to go with LSU or Arkansas. LSU is minus 33 points against Army and Arkansas is minus seven at home against Mississippi State. Now, the reason why I think I would pick Arkansas over LSU is because at the end of the year, I would be in a little bit of a pickle in a bind. Week 13, I'd have to pick someone that that 
would be a risky pick probably that are not favored. Mm-hmm. And I was either going to go with Auburn or LSU that, that week because LSU is playing its A&M at home. So th- they'll be a, they'll be a favorite in that game, but I have to pick Auburn at some point this year. And the best week to pick them is week 12. Cause I think they're playing against Mississippi or sorry, New Mexico state. Okay. So as it stands right now, I think the way that I'm trying to kind of unfold this and, uh, and make it beneficial t- to myself for, for the, to go all the way is week eight. I'm going to go with Arkansas against Mississippi state and tell me if, if you don't like any of these. Okay. Week nine, I'm going to go with Ole Miss and they're playing against Vanderbilt. Okay. I like that. I think that one's fine. Week 10. So this is where it gets tricky week 10 and week 11. Cause like I said, you have to pick Vanderbilt. You have to pick South Carolina. I'm in between South Carolina versus Jack versus Jacksonville state or Vanderbilt versus Auburn at home. And then week 11, South Carolina plays at home against Vanderbilt. So I can pick either of those two teams. So right now I'm just kind of waiting for week 10 and week 11. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of, you're in a tough position because the rest of Vanderbilt's schedule is actually relatively difficult. Um, You're not taking them when they're playing Ole Miss right at Ole Miss. Um, They're home against Auburn. Hugh Freeze is, coaching a, a scrappy team this year. And I think, you know, that program's only going to get better with him uh, as the head coach. And then the next week, like you mentioned, they're, they're playing uh, South Carolina at South Carolina. And then they play Tennessee. You're not going to take them at right. Tennessee in Knoxville the last week of so, the season for them. So here, I, here, I feel like you have to take them against Auburn. Right? Well, here are my options. So you got to take them against Auburn or you got to take them against South Carolina or you wait till the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Cause let's just say they lose out, right? No one has, no one has been able to use them yet. So you basically pick every single team and you have to wait to the conference championship. And by then you expect that everyone's used Georgia and you're going to have to use Vanderbilt for that last week. And then you just split the pot with everyone who hasn't been able to use Vanderbilt. I don't know what the pot is. I don't know exactly what, how much I'd be able to take home, but Mm. regardless, like that's just kind of like a, you know, kind of concede to a tie. I mean, you, you win money, but how many people are you going to be up against? You know what I mean? Like, are you splitting it with a hundred people? Like at that point, like this is even worth it. So I'd rather just kind of risk it and see if I can get one of these, these wins here. So I'm really just going to have to see which one I feel better about what the spreads are. But after that, let's just say we've made it. We've survived week 12. Uh, as it stands right now, Auburn against New Mexico state. Week 13, as I mentioned, LSU at home versus AM. And then week 14, I'd pick Georgia to win the conference championship. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's just the Vandy against Auburn, but it all tracks. Yeah. And it was yep. a, a smart thing that you held on to LSU and Georgia this late in the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you have to. You have to kind of play it strategic. And there are some people that have already used those too. So uh, 21 people used Georgia this week. 39 people used LSU this week. So, I mean, that that takes out a good chunk. Uh, was that 60 people out of right. 126? You know, half half the pool already. And, and actually, less than 126 people are left because five or three people picked South Carolina this week, who I believe lost, right? Um, 10 people pick Kentucky. They lost. So we're down to like one thirteen. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. Like just talking about Ole Miss, you know, they beat LSU in that close game uh, at Ole Miss at the Grove, 55 49, that absolute shootout. And the game that they, who did they lose to? Ole Miss. Oh, they lost to Alabama, right? But now they play Auburn, Vandy, Texas A&M, who looks vulnerable. And then that game I mentioned before, Georgia, on November 11th. And then they finished the season playing Louisiana Monroe and Mississippi State, which rivalry game, but they're a better team than them. Like this is, it's interesting because you might get Ole Miss playing Georgia late in the season, November 11th, and they might play them again in the SEC Championship as the representative of the SEC West. Um, although Alabama would have the tiebreaker. So I think that Ole Miss would need to beat Georgia during the regular season to get there as long as Alabama remained undefeated. Um, Things are, to me, the most interesting thing about this, and I hope you end up winning that pool, is that like this has been a bloody mess of an SEC season, whereas like the Big 12, you know, there's the undefeated team there, right? Washington is still undefeated in the Pac-12. Right. Florida State is undefeated, and I, I mentioned their schedule, Duke, Florida, in Miami, like very winnable, very easily could they end up undefeated. Um, one of those big 10 teams can be undefeated. I honestly think we might be in a position here where you're you're definitely not gonna get two SEC teams in my mind in the in the playoff. Yeah. And you might get a one, you might get a one loss big 12 team bounced out if Washington goes undefeated. Like it's possible. I hope that's not the case, especially if it's the Texas Longhorns who win the Big 12 championship. Um, and at that point they're beating Oklahoma. So I think they would have good grounds to get into the college football playoff. But if Washington's undefeated, if Georgia's undefeated, if, if either Ohio state or Michigan are undefeated and Florida state's undefeated, you can't put a one loss team in the, in the college football playoff, the semifinal right. at that point. No, that's, that's, it's very true. And it's very valid. I mean, there's the thing is like, I think the, the, the X factor here, the, the, the deciding factor is going to be, the Big Ten, because you do have Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all undefeated right now, all ahead of Texas. Right. So you're going to have to imagine that probably one of those teams goes undefeated, but you're rooting for them all to lose, of course. Yeah. Um, Florida State's path, I think, in, in my eyes, is, is like pretty clear. They do have Duke uh, this weekend. That's going to be a big game, but I still think they take care of business there. And they've got Wake Forest, Pitt, Miami, who has suffered two back-to-back bad losses, and then you know they're still they're a ranked it, team last week. It would be it would be an ACC championship matchup between them and North Carolina. Who, if North Carolina stays undefeated, then they would be an undefeated ACC champion if they exactly. knocked off Florida State. But they have to play Duke, which this has got to be. I'll have to do some research on this. The Duke UNC matchup that is down the pipeline has to be bigger than any football matchup they've had between these two universities. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, just the, the rivalry they have through basketball. Right. Um, you know, and they haven't played each other regular season. It's, it would be pretty awesome to see them both there. And, you know, shout out to our guy, Mac Brown too. We're super excited that he's having success there. One of our buddies, you know, Zach Gitlin asked me, he said, I don't want to like hurt your feelings here, but like, do you feel bad that Mac Brown's having success right now at North Carolina? I'm like, no, not at all. First of all, he hasn't been our head coach in like over what, like 15 a dec- years, a decade, but more than longer than a decade. Yeah. When, when we got to the university of Texas, it was 2013, 2014, 2013, 2014. He, I think 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So it's been 10 years. Yeah. We've had three head coaches since him. Like 
it's also like he didn't have immediate success. Like he 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 took some time off, then he went to North Carolina, and it took him time to to build this this uh, you know program. Yeah. So I mean, I I love it. I mean, that you know our buddy Q, like Quan Cosby, he still keeps in touch with them. You know, they're, they're still homies. Like you want to have success to the people that brought success to your university, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good fresh start. It's all it's where he began too. You know, it's, it's not non -com like it's non-competitive teams really like they're similar they're similar college towns austin is obviously it's a bigger city um than chapel hill but similar vibes and a lot of people they're beloved college towns i yeah. think is, is my point i've heard max saying like he wishes nothing but the best i think they still have a home in austin like they are oh, there yeah. with their charity all the time like it's very much there's a lot of connective tissue there and there always will be a ton of love between mac and the longhorns 100 you know that he's still he's rooting for us every single game i'm sure yeah. he checks the box score and, as long as we're not playing them i'm rooting for the tar heels for sure yeah exactly um so yeah good good for mac brown but yes this the thing is, like, we talk about how many undefeated teams there are, but, like, as we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks, like, the Grim Reaper is just coming around and just, like, taking teams out. So, yeah, I feel like when it comes down to week 14 in college football, we're only going to have a couple undefeated teams. I don't think it's going to get to the point where there's four teams or five teams undefeated and either Texas or you get shut out. I hope that's not the case. The Washington thing is really interesting to me. I, I watched that Oregon game. It was a really, really good game. Um, I think a lot of people, including our guy Q, had a ton of gripes to pick with Dan uh, Dan Lanning and how he coached that game, just the aggressive nature. It was very Staley-esque, um, going for it every single fourth down opportunity, not taking the points at the end of the half. Um, but Washington winning that game at home, now they play USC at USC, but watching how USC performed against Notre Dame, if I'm Washington, like, and I'm not, I, I'm an objective viewer at this point. They are a better team than USC is across oh, yeah. on the line, on the outside. Their quarterback is not quite as good as Caleb, but he's playing better right now. So like, I'd even maybe give them the nod there. Um, I think their head coach is a better coach than Lincoln Riley. Um, and I think that Oregon is a better team than USC too. And USC has to travel up to Eugene to play Oregon. I think this USC team, they might have a massive fall from grace here. They only have one loss on the record right now, but I think they're going to lose to both those teams and end up yeah. with at least three losses. But Washington, does, they do have to play Utah. They do have to play Oregon State, who has been fantastic this season. And then they have a really, they have that rivalry game at, at, on rivalry week against Wazoo, against Washington State, yeah. who they're not ranked anymore, but they started the season off really hot. They have a really good quarterback, and that's always a really tough game for them. Well, so. if they suffer one loss, um, then I, I, I could see them being in the conference championship against Oregon. Right. So that'd be a rematch. I think, I think it's going to come down. I think prediction, the three teams that will have the chance to make it there will be Oregon, Utah, and Washington. One of those, two of those three teams will be in the conference championship. And if one of them is undefeated, which would only be Washington, then they're definitely going in. Now, the question is, if there's a one-loss team, do they make it in? You know, right? And I think there's just so much bias in po you know, politics involved with the Pac-12, how it's disintegrating, and this is kind of the last year, and all the teams are going their separate ways. And I tell you, a, a one-loss Texas, a one-loss Texas or OU team beats Washington into the college football semifinal. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, better for better for ratings, better for just 
blue blood, you know, you know, tears and stuff like that. I mean, the game right. is in Houston, of course. Like, I know, like that has nothing to do with the fact that which team is better and which is not, which deserves to be there. But you know, there's a little bias when the committee is is making their decision. You know, we're all human at the end of the day. It's not like a computer is making the decision. It's, it's people. Yeah. It's people. It's a business. You know, they want the best ratings possible. And when Texas is on center stage and when they're in the national spotlight, that's when ratings go out the roof. I mean, the Texas Bama game had best ratings in college football. Right. So yeah, I don't I just I don't see it happening if 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 those teams have one loss. But so we we were talking about um you're talking about how you have a future on Michael Penix. Yep. Yeah I, I put a future on him at the beginning of the season on betonline.ag. Uh go yeah. go go to the sports book if you want to put your bets down on on Heisman. He's he's minus money now but I had him at uh I think it was plus I have to look up the odds. Yeah, right. Currently, right now on betonline.ag and use the promo code believe you get 50% off on your welcome bonus. He's minus 140. And then the next four um highest odds guys are Jordan Travis, QB for Florida State. He's plus 900. JJ McCarthy, QB for Michigan, plus 900. Dylan Gabriel, QB for Oklahoma, plus 900. And then Jaden Daniels, that's a two loss LSU team. Um, but statistically, he is doing a lot of really good things with his arm and with his legs. He's plus 1400 mm. and then six and seven are Drake may and Caleb Williams. Yeah. Um, but my, my I, I mean, you're looking really good with Penix, obviously 1500 was much. I got it at the beginning of the season. So pretty, pretty good value there. Um, really quickly, just because we mentioned it at the top, Texas plays against Houston. First yep. time that they're playing against each other since 2002. Um, now Houston wow. is part of the big 12, um, should be a fun game. Houston has not beat Texas since 1991. Long time. Yeah. These teams played each other every single season for, for years. So this is kind of an, an old rivalry, um, you know, kind of put back together just by this last big 12 matchup that Texas is going to have because they're you know headed over to the sec as we all know. Um, but I think the overall standings here for Houston, seven wins, 16 losses to the Texas Longhorns. Just want to throw that, that out there. It sounds about right. It sounds right. Sounds about right. Definitely a game. And two ties. Run. They've tied twice. That's which wild. is so lame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did want to just because Penix played Knicks, because Caleb Williams had a three interception game, um, because Drake made balled out against Miami, course dylan last weekend against longhorns had an excellent game michigan remains stout undefeated i, I took a look this morning at a cbs mock draft that came out mm, yeah between qbs and skill position players how many guys do you think were projected to go in the first round uh you mean how many skill just inclu- just including qb and skill position Defense and offense? No, sorry. Off offense skill position only. So, so basically, ru- so basically running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback. Yeah. Um, in the first round of next year's draft. I'd say like 18. Interestingly, this one on CBS only had 10 guys. Wow. Yeah. I mean, okay. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. Lock. They had they had Caleb and Marvin going one and two to the Bears, right? Because the Bears have the Panthers pick, mm. so presumably 
right now they would end up with the first overall pick and the second overall pick. Right. Brock Bowers locked. Bowers was nine to the Cardinals. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to, th- I, I feel like the wide receiver class this year is just like not as super deep. It's, it's, it's really deep. But I don't think there's like, I don't think there's many headliners as there has been in the past. Like, yeah. obviously, you have the biggest, you know, Marvin Harris Jr., but like the draft that had, you know, CD Lamb and Judy, like, I feel like those are like a bunch of headliners, you and know, rugs. And, yeah. and rugs. Yeah. And the draft that had like AJ Brown and Debo Samuel, like big, big names. Yeah. Well, um, so the, okay. So, Drake May was the third overall pick to the Broncos. So okay. he was this he was the only other QB that they had mocked in the first round. Okay, so no so no Bo Nix, no Penix, no Quinn Ewers, no no Jordan Travis, no no, none of those guys. Um no Riley Le- no Riley Leonard from Duke. Yeah. I, I think I think when it comes to actual draft day, as we all know, like the quarterbacks always shoot up. Yeah, it's because they're pro days, they're combines. Like, you know, people don't want to miss on that. And I, I really think that this draft, more than any other draft before, there are a lot of competitive teams that are are vying for a quarterback. Not bad, not just bad teams. Like, not just like the Browns, you know, in the past, or you know, the the Jets, the Bears right now. Like, the Vikings are a team. The Packers are a team that like could honestly be looking for a franchise quarterback ready yeah. to compete this year, next year. For sure. I think you're right. There's a lot of te- like the Bucks, right? The Baker's Steelers. their guy right now, but the like they make it- the Steelers. Um then they had they had Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from LSU at 13 to the Bengals, which is mm-hmm. a little bit, I think, of a hey, let's put Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and Malik Neighbors on the same team. Kind of fun. Right. Um Igbuka. Ohio State's second wide receiver to the Texans. That would be cool to see him paired with Stroud. Clearly, the guys who were doing this mock draft wanted to see college, you know, receivers paired with their college QBs or at least quarterbacks that went to their college. Odunze, Washington's number one guy to the Cowboys. Xavier Worthy to the Pittsburgh Steelers. First and round. In the first round at 25th pick in the draft. Adonai Mitchell to the to the Kansas City Chiefs in the wow. first round. We got two wide receivers in the first round. I love that. Kind of wild that they, and then they have Corley um, to the 49ers, who's a D2 guy, 5'11", kind of like Debo Samuel-esque, stout, can run the ball, can do a lot of different things, the versatility there. They didn't have Keon Coleman, though, in the first round, which I think... No Blake Coleman either. uh, No Blake Coleman, no running backs at all. So 10 QBs, wide receivers, and tight ends, but no running backs in the first round. But again, I think this is going to be one of the, and we'll get into so much more draft talk throughout the season and the offseason, Big quarterback draft, big wide receiver draft, and then obviously Brock Bowers, such a stud. Um, you know, teams he's going to get picked in the top ten. Although he did get banged up, um, and he had an ankle injury. Hopefully that that didn't sideline him for too too long. But yeah, I mean, college football. This is like the time where it gets really exciting because now we actually know who these college teams are. We actually know who some of these NFL teams are now after six weeks of play, and we're not just guessing on everything. Like that's the best part about it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I feel like this happens a lot too with running backs. I think a running back or two sneak in at the end of the first round. So yeah, we'll probably see someone. You know, I mean, it happens every single season, but I don't think the running back play has been anything that crazy this year in college football. I mean, shout out to our, our guy, Jonathan Brooks, but t- to us, we knew he was good. I think to the national media and to everyone who didn't really know who he was, 
he was always overshadowed by Bijan Robinson. He was behind him on the depth chart for years. And then you know, now all of a sudden he's popping off. Well, it's um, also just been a lot of QB talk for our school too, right? Exactly. Like, it's been exactly. Quinn. It's been Arch. Like that's what people are focusing on, not our running back. 100%. And look, I mean, Brooks has been putting up crazy numbers all season long. Um, you know, I mean, coming off a of bye week, he's still ninth overall in rushing yards, um, you know, in the nation. And, you know, there's teams obviously that aren't as, I mean, like Toledo's running back is top three. Troy's running back is top three. So like Georgia State's number eight. So, I mean, it's not like the same tier of running back, but, you know, I think by the end of the season, he'll probably finish top five, maybe, you know, at the very least top 10 in rushing yards. Um, and then, of course, Corum's the guy that everyone knows. But it's besides that, I mean, there's not really been guys that blow you out of the water. You're not like you know, drooling over running back prospects like we were last year about Bijan, like people were about Gibbs. So, I, I mean, that's why I just think that there's going to be more quarterbacks that kind of fall in the mix here because, like I said, a lot of teams that are really looking to kind of change the trajectory of their franchise that have a ready-now team. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, the only other – I mean, like Ramon Davis from Kentucky has been really fantastic, and they, they got kind of crushed by – Mizzou 38, 21, but he still ended up with 128 yards on the ground. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised out of the big five conference or the power five conferences at the end of the season, if Brooks led in total rushing yards, yards per carry, and also yards after contact, um, which he's been incredible at. Um, I don't know about touchdowns, but we'll see. I mean, and, and at that point, like he's very much on everyone's radar and should be, um, We'll be back. Horns of Talking Texas. We'll be back. The Charity Stripe with Josh Fisher, Nikki Snacks Crider, Alexander Tisopoulos. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.